0: Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives
1: from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Gavin Mains, the founder and CEO of Avancic, a provider of e-discovery and digital forensic services. Hi, Gavin, how are you? I'm
0: doing great. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Tell us about your background and the genesis of Avancic.
0: Well, a long time ago, back in the late 2000s, I was a college professor at the University of Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma, teaching computer security, which information assurance is actually what we called it back then. And one of the things we did was we worked in digital forensics with law enforcement and the federal government. And we realized at that point that there's an opportunity to start a business. So in 2004, we started a business that's uh, now called Avancic that provided digital forensic services. About two to three years after we started our digital forensic service, we were told that we were now doing something called e-discovery. And we were like, I don't know what e-discovery is, but okay. And it turns out it's you know kind of the same thing. So that's the original genesis of Avancic was digital forensics company that's kind of grown and ballooned into a lot of other services Expert services, managed services, subscription services, all surrounding helping the legal professional deal with digital evidence and other evidence.
1: As litigation support evolves, what are the primary activities and technologies you see incorporated into eDiscovery projects?
0: My answer several years ago would have been, you know, we've got to get out of this legacy technology concept, these legacy tools. But I think I've corrected that in the last few years in my mindset. It's not really the change that we need or the evolution. It's the legacy tools are okay. It's these legacy workflows that really hold us down. And when you think about what are the the activities that we need to be doing, well, we need to be changing the way that we perceive or approach e-discovery. And it may need a modern tool, it may not to evolve us to where we're not just taking data, processing it, and then starting to look at it and reviewing it, but we're actually using some feature-rich or data-rich applications to look at that data and figure out what it is and tear it apart, and maybe do some other things that we haven't done in the past. And I think that's the major change that I've thought about is we just haven't evolved our workflow or our mindset in e-discovery. We just keep doing it the way we've done it for the last, honestly, 15 years. And we haven't evolved that out into something new.
1: Where are litigants facing the most challenging e-discovery issues?
0: My opinion, you know, I've got a professional and a personal opinion. You now, My personal opinion really is the biggest challenge is knowledge. And it's not that I know that I, you know, I know something. It's that I don't know what I don't know. We, in the programming world, we call that an unknown unknown, something you can't predict or the silent failure is the worst thing we could talk about out there. But the litigants in this case, in e-discovery, are facing professionals or people or organizations that just don't understand what they don't know. And so they're not able to bring the technology forward and get things done very quickly. And so my personal opinion really is it's it's a knowledge-based problem. And it's not that you don't know enough. It's that you don't know what you don't know, which therefore means you don't know enough. When you go to my professional opinion, it really is the fact that people are paying too much for this service, and that causes them to want to do things in what they perceive as a cheaper method, which causes them to cut corners. And I think that's just because there's so many different vendors and applications, and as we talked about earlier, workflows out there, and you're just used to doing it a particular way. And so you don't think, oh, if I do it this other way, I can save you know, 90% or some large percentage of money over what I used to pay for these various e-discovery services. So it's really knowledge and costs when you cut it down to two words is really what's facing us in this industry.
1: How are legal teams approaching self-service e-discovery?
0: It's kind of been the holy grail for a long time. And even if we go all the way back to the oil spill case, the BP oil spill case, and we had millions and millions of documents that we were placing into an iConnect review system back then. And it was extremely complicated to take load files that were produced by very rich parties, you know, parties that knew how to provide load files and provide the data correctly, and actually get that loaded into a system. You know, it's field mapping, it's all this technical nerdy stuff that was very complicated. The computer didn't help us a bit. It didn't tell us, hey, Gavin, You're about to put your foot in your mouth. Don't do that. You know it didn't prevent us, and so I think what's changed in a self-service world is the technology has evolved to where we kind of get that. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't let you do that. Or if you really want to do that, I'm going to let you do it, but I'm going to warn you. And so the self-service approach is the confidence that I can know a little bit. I can learn a lot about e-discovery, or I can learn a little bit about e-discovery, and then I can trust the application that I'm using to say, okay. I'm going to let you load that data. I'm going to load it. There's all these exceptions, but I'm going to note them to you. But I'm not just going to fail and leave you with a blank slate, which is what we got back in 2010. And even even as early as 2018, 2019, we still had tools that were dumb, that didn't tell us what we were doing was wrong. The analogy carries out to when you're trying to do self-checkout at the grocery store, and you're always constantly battling with the weight thing, the weight sensor or you can't find this scanning barcode, there's a human standing there that walks over and helps you. And in self-service, we've got that whole experience now where you can be doing your own e-discovery, loading your own data, doing your own production. And all of a sudden, a pop-up comes up and says, hey, let me get a human to help you because it seems like you're having trouble. And then a support technician can get on and help someone. I think that's the approach that we're seeing with self-service is it's evolved that the legal teams are willing to do it when the liability allows them to take on that ownership of that product.
1: How are legal teams balancing new technologies and processes with traditional tactics that they have been applying?
0: My immediate answer is not very well. Normally, there's laughter after you say something like that. But if you look at the legal professional, you know, we're, in, we're ingrained as the way we've been doing things for years. And the legal profession generally works on an annual basis. You know, We make as much money as we can during the year. And then at the end of the year, we split it all up. And so when you're talking about the tactics, you're very reluctant to make a change in technology. Many, many years ago, there was this concept of the cloud. And the legal professional was like, no, we're going to keep our email on site because it's cheaper. Not knowing that if they'd have moved it off-site to the cloud, they could have let two employees go, gotten rid of some server storage room, and probably saved 20, dollars 30 $40,000 a year by moving their email simply to the cloud, whether it's Office 365 or Gmail, it doesn't really matter. So when you're thinking about balancing this new technology, there's a big hesitancy in the legal profession to be the first out there, be the first person to use a computer and have it crash. And that really clashes with the traditional tactics that we have of, it worked last 10 times I've done it, I'm going to do it the same way because that provides me success. And so when you think about the professional, it's really the new lawyers or the new paralegals or the new litigation support professionals that are saying, hey, let's do something a new way. And honestly, I know we were trying not to date ourselves too much, but we're coming on two years of the COVID pandemic and more. And the legal professional has adopted Zoom and GoToMeeting and video conferencing because they were forced to which has actually allowed them to adopt new technologies and say, oh, that worked for us. Maybe now we can look at getting some different email service or phone service or moving to a legal management system or even a new e-discovery platform. And that traditional tactic has kind of gone, oh, maybe I now need to understand the risks and the benefits of the technology, not just the risks.
1: What is the role of forensics in modern e-discovery?
0: So forensics and e-discovery, for me, have always been the same thing. They have the same purpose, which is to take data and make it evidence. You're not manufacturing to evidence, but you're making sure that that data can make it all the way into a court of law and be introduced as evidence by a deponent or some other way that that is brought into the court. And when you think about e-discovery and forensics and the differences, in forensics, you care about how that data got there. When was it modified? When was it copied? Was it open? Was it read? But in eDiscovery, you only really care about the content of that data traditionally. And what we've seen in modern eDiscovery is more and more of this metadata being translated into something more useful using charts and graphs or alerts. I mean, we have a system now that'll tell you, hey, there's hidden data in this PowerPoint. You need to go find it versus in the old days, you would just not realize that there was a giant Excel document in the PowerPoint that had the information you were seeking. And so what we're seeing is those forensics methods and techniques are being provided into these e-discovery platforms so that the, the typical reviewer can be seeing that more complicated forensics data in a way that they can easily digest it. And the last part of that answer is Forensics traditionally was always a lot of reports and charts and spreadsheets. And we have gotten better as an industry of taking our forensics results and converting it to documents that can then be loaded into an e-discovery platform so that something can review it. So we're taking disparate sets of data, cell phone data, Slack data, email, link files from a computer, and those are in technical terms. And then we're bringing all that and putting it into a review platform that's traditionally built for e-discovery. And so the merging of the two back and making it more of those forensics techniques more accessible is really how I think forensics is driving e-discovery forward.
1: What long-term effects do you see the pandemic having on e-discovery? Well,
0: personally, I love the fact that I can work anywhere, and I mean anywhere, and help with e-discovery, and even all the way to providing expert services. I honestly, for the last year, I've been living on the road in an RV with my family, and I've done trial testimony, depositions, hearing testimony, in a pop-up camper in the middle of the desert, because I had the internet. You know, again, this thing called the internet, invented way back in the nineties, remember it was a fad, nobody needed it, we're never gonna need it again. And now I can go anywhere, because I carry a Starlink satellite dish now, and I carry my cellular, and I can go anywhere, throw my stuff out, get on a meeting, log in to do some e-discovery, and I have reliable, fast bandwidth everywhere. And so the pandemic has really allowed me to do the type of work that I want to do in the places I want to do it, and that be accepted by the legal professionals. Whereas before, They might have made me go to a courthouse to do something, or I had to be in an office, or I had to be in their office. There's a lot more acceptance that I'm remote, and that's how I'm going to be forever. Now, I will tell you, I had to fly to Alabama last week to give live testimony in a courtroom that, quote, didn't have the internet. Yet I'm sitting in the courtroom and my phone is working on 5G. And so that was really just most likely a set of legal professionals and a judiciary and a jury that probably wasn't ready to see a giant TV with my face on it providing testimony. And so I think the pandemic really pushed us to where the legal professionals are going to accept this technology, and they're going to accept remote work. The last part I'll tell you is really a revenue-driving thing. And that is, we used to travel all over the country to collect data because the professionals wanted to see us there in the room collecting the data. And now... We travel nowhere, but we still collect more data than we used to collect, whether because we're using remote technologies, we're shipping hard drives, but we're still monitoring the collection. It's not like a self-collection kit, which I'm not really a fan of, but we're using GoToMeeting and saying, click here, click there, or Zoom, click here, click there, send that forensics copy off. And obviously, there's so much more data moving to the cloud that it's getting easier and easier to collect that data out of the various cloud sources.
1: This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Dr. Gavin Maines, the founder and CEO of Avancic, a provider of e-discovery and digital forensics services. Gavin, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit
0: ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.